What would you say you do here? Hello, friends, and welcome to the What Would You Say You Do Here podcast. I'm your host, Dan Gale, the president of Leona Marketing Group. Each week, we're planning to talk to the movers and shakers in sports to find out what they do, where they work, and more importantly, what would you say you do here? Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of the What Would You Say You Do Here podcast, powered by Leona Marketing Group, where we've got a fun and unique guest this week who uh, I'm actually really excited to hear how she's going to answer what she actually does here. She is an associate professor. She is a licensed attorney. She is a founder. She is a contributing author and a sports writer. Alicia Jessup. Alicia, how are you doing today? I'm great, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, I appreciate you making the time, and I'm going to hit you because I'm actually excited to hear this. What would you actually say you do here? <laughs> yeah, uh, great question. So if any of you are into astrology, I'm a Gemini, so that might answer all the questions you have. But I think to answer that question, what do I do? The one thing that's been a central component of my life is I've always been curious. I've always asked questions. I've always wanted to know answers. I've always wanted to seek and gather information. And so on paper, my career looks like I just work nonstop. I don't work nonstop. I work about 50 hours a week. I I enjoy leisure time. But the factor that ties all of these pieces of my life together, I would say is one thing. It's driven by that desire to soak up curiosity. And it's a career that's really written by storytelling. So I look at each aspect of my career from the lens of storytelling. I'm a licensed attorney licensed in California and Colorado, pivoted into the world of sports writing in 2011 when I founded the website Ruling Sports which gave me a platform to write for bigger outlets. So currently I have contracts with The Athletic and The Washington Post. And from sports writing, I then pivoted into the world of academia, um, which I never intended to do. But in retrospect, it's been a really great place for me and a ripe place. Um, So I've been in academia since 2013, first at the University of Miami teaching sport law. And since 2017, at Pepperdine University, where I'm helping build out the sport administration program. And I'm also a sport law professor there. So the tying factor between all of these different things is I'm a storyteller. And in each of those roles as a lawyer, you know, I was a litigator, I was a trial lawyer. What you're really doing in the courtroom is you're telling a story and you're trying to get people to buy your story. Obviously, you need evidence. You can't just make up the story. Um, As a sports writer, clearly I'm telling a story. And in the classroom, the approach I take is what's called a narrative teaching method. And so I use storytelling as a tool to help students understand, synthesize, and hopefully remember the material. Well, that's awesome. And and, and it's fascinating to the different journey of curiosity and storytelling. And leads me to my first question was, after practicing law and litigating, what was the catalyst that made you want to come over to the storytelling on the other side? sports, entertainment, all of that that was encompassing with it. Was there a specific catalyst? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm a big believer that life unfolds the way that it should. I really don't believe that there's any accidents or mistakes in life. And 
you know, it might be kind of woo woo, but I believe that when you get to the end of life, you've reached the destination that you were meant to travel. And my entire life, really, all I've ever wanted to do is be a storyteller. In my mind, I have so many ideas for books, movies, etc. And when I was a kid, I was a big sports fan. So I'm an only child, grew up in Denver. My dad and I really bonded over our passion for sports. The avalanche were really good when I was in elementary school. So, you know, we would go to a ton of hockey games and wait outside after and collect autographs. And I wanted to be a sports writer. So when I was 12, I was in sixth grade. Obviously, I'm a woman. So I was a 12-year-old girl. Um, and this was in like the mid-90s. It was like 96. The internet was relatively new. I was one of the first kids on my block to have the internet. And I started a hockey blog, which is still on the internet if you want to find it. And I was also running a hockey fantasy team. And I was competing against 30 to 40-year-old men. I was obviously the only little girl in this um, room, if you will. And I was beating them. And so I was on these chat boards. And these grown men were just like talking smack to a 12-year-old girl who is decimating their hockey fantasy leagues. So I, I've always been in this space in some way. And when I was 14, I shadowed the editor of my local newspaper, the sports editor, who was obviously a man. And he gave me every reason under the sun not to become a sports writer. And I think he would have given the same advice to a boy, but he also made it clear that it would be much more difficult for me to navigate that industry as a young woman. And so by the time my mom came to pick me up from that job shadowing day, I had decided that I was going to go to law school because clearly there wouldn't be a path for me in sports writing. So go to law school, graduate at the start of the Great Recession. I've been working in Hollywood for Warner Brothers and the Screen Actors Guild. Those opportunities dried up um, because the industry stopped much like it is today in COVID. So I needed to get a job, got a job as a litigator which is about as fun as it sounds, was dying a slow death because I wasn't pursuing my passions and wasn't working in sports or entertainment. So I realized I could keep being miserable and complaining and just accept that this is the hand that my life was dealt, or I could bet on myself and create my own opportunity, which led me to create the website rulingsports.com, which when it started was a sports law blog. And it was really a way for me to meld my passions of sports and writing with this knowledge I had obtained through law school, which was legal knowledge, bring it all together. And it put me on the path I am today. And it's given me so many incredible opportunities. But I think the point here is this. Um, when you're working in a really competitive field, whether it's sports, entertainment, the arts, even entrepreneurship, there's so many people who are so afraid to go after their dreams that they just succumb to the normal job. And there's nothing wrong with the normal job. But if you have an inkling in your heart or mind that there's something different in this world that you're supposed to do, the only way you fail is by letting fear control you. And at 27, when I started down this journey, I was facing the possibility that I was going to let fear control my life. And I had a great job. I was working in Orange County. I lived by the beach. Um, I was making money in a time when a lot of people weren't, but I knew I wasn't fulfilling my purpose or calling. So I stuck my neck out and here I am today with 900 jobs. <laughs> well, well, congratulations. That's great advice about not letting fear control, especially sitting in the entrepreneur chair myself. I know there's days where 
the fear is a little different when you don't have the paycheck and you, you go through it and it, it makes you who you are. And I wouldn't change on my side. And I know you wouldn't as well. But let's lead to the, the next question. Where did this professor thing come from? You know, where did the storytelling, where, where did where did the idea of, you know, wanting to now teach as well come into the fold for you? Yeah. So start the website in 2011 and it literally blew up overnight. So within 24 hours of launching the website, I had 500 Twitter followers. I booked my first radio show um, three months in. I got a broadcasting agent six months in. Forbes reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to write for Forbes. And in my mind, this media career was just taking off overnight. And my broadcasting agent was having some pretty serious conversations um, with various networks about me being an on-air host full-time. The problem was I had zero TV experience and I had been going at this thing at that time for six months. So I knew I didn't want to practice law the way I was practicing then. Um, I had actually moved to Colorado at the time. So when I started the website, I was living in Orange County working as a corporate litigator. My law firm had zero idea that I was doing any of this because we didn't practice sports or entertainment law. So I would actually go into my car and tape radio shows and tell one of the other associates that if they paged me over the overhead to text me and I would end it and run back up into the firm. Um, they were getting ready to promote me and move me to San Francisco and increase my billable hours, which made me realize if that happens this dream of becoming a sports writer or someone who works in sports is dead. My friend's father was a deputy prosecutor in Colorado and he knew what I was trying to do. And he said, Alicia, move home, live in your parents' basement because you're going to take a 35% pay cut taking this job I'm offering you. If you can plea bargain your cases, I don't care if you stay in the office the rest of the day and network and write with the sports industry they need to be just plea bargains, though. You can't just be dismissing cases. So I did that. Very grateful for the opportunity. He definitely gave me a launch pad where I could pay my student loans and build this like sports hustle that I was working on. Um, but I knew I wasn't called to be a prosecutor forever. And the media career was taking a little bit longer than I intended it to take. And so I did some soul searching and I thought to myself, okay, Alicia, what else would you want to do if the full-time media on-air personality opportunity doesn't exist. And at the time, I was a national officer for my sorority, and I was traveling around the country um, doing leadership development at different chapters across the United States. And I said, I really like working with college-age people. So I, Dan, decided I'm going to become a professor, which now that I've been in academia for eight years, I realized there's actually a path that most people take to becoming a professor, and it's called a PhD, and I didn't have a PhD. So here I am thinking to myself, all right, I'm going to become a professor. I want to work at a top school, and I want to work somewhere where the weather is warm. So I go online, I look for jobs, and there's one school that meets that criteria, and it's the University of Miami in Florida. So I'm like, great. I'm going to apply. And I have several mentors in my life who are older men, some in academia, others in sports. And I told them what I was doing and they were all very kind. But um, my one mentor who is named Matt Parlow, who's currently the Dean of Chapman University School of Law said to me, Alicia, you're a very interesting candidate. You're definitely going to get an interview. I don't want your feelings to get hurt though when you don't get the job. 
So in June 2013, I fly to Miami. I interview for seven hours. I get back on the airplane to go back to my parents' basement. I'm 28 years old. Um, Not really what I thought I'd be doing at 28. And I have no idea if I was going to get the job. The next week, I fly back down to cover the NBA finals for Forbes. So I'm in the locker room with LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh. The next week, I'm back in my parents' basement, and I find out I get the job at Miami. So. I feel incredibly fortunate because my life, Dan, makes zero sense. Um, But I think what anybody would say is a few things. One, I'm a really hard worker. Not to sound arrogant, I'm really smart. Like I'm a smart person and I know how to solve problems. Um, And I'm someone where you bring me into a situation. I think most people would say I leave things better than I found them. And so I feel incredibly, um, excuse me, incredibly grateful for the opportunities I have. And academia has been wonderful because I've gotten to work with young people and help them on their paths and maybe save them a couple steps from the path I've taken in my life. (laughs) Well, that's a great story and understanding how it all worked together. But what it's also done is you've done a lot of consulting work while you've been uh, in the professor chair in the world of academia. You know, in ranging from MBA to the AAF to multiple businesses you've worked with. Is there any favorite or any cool current project that you've got going on right now? Yeah. So I think the favorite thing I worked on was launching the Alliance of American Football. Like you mentioned, I consulted with the National Basketball Players Association to build a program for NBA players leaving the league. So I worked with former player Antonio Davis and the union on building that program, which was really really impactful from a research perspective. But after that project ended, um, I got a call from a good friend of mine in the industry and a mentor, David Cohen, who's a sports lawyer. And he had taken a job as a C-level executive with the Alliance of American Football. And so he had known what I was doing for the NBPA. And he said, Alicia, we're building this football league. We're going to revolutionize football. And we really want it to be a player-centric model. We want you to come in and build it out. Like we're going to give you free reign to decide what the transition program looks like for players in this league. It was the opportunity of a lifetime. So my actual boss in the program was Troy Polamalu, which was incredible in and of itself. So Troy's obviously Samoan. I'm white presenting, but I'm half Samoan. So my father's actually from Samoa. So That's an example of life kind of taking you to places that you were supposed to go. But Troy's become like a brother to me. And he and I just have such a heart for football players because we realize to reach the upper echelons of this sport, so often these people have to give their entire livelihood and their entire mindset to the sport. And as everyone listening knows, the career lifespan of a football player is very short. So, so often these men, when their playing career ends, they're left with just this wide open blank slate and really no guidance or understanding of how to fill it. And so Troy and I did a ton of research, um, a ton of ideation, a ton of building to create a program that would have really closed that gap and put these men on much better paths. Um, As we all know, the league, unfortunately, had a rogue investor and ended up filing for bankruptcy but Troy and I still communicate pretty frequently. We're still in the wings of things, building out a vision and a plan for how football can be better. 
um, and how we can just generally improve the lives of people so that they can achieve optimization of their livelihood. So that that was an incredible experience. That's awesome. And yeah, through all these different things, what has been the main thing that you've learned? You know, in in all these different roles, and the best thing that you can share with with those that are listening that what you've learned about life or your path in general? I think the thing that I've learned is everything connects. Um, So before I hopped on with you today, uh, my parents and I are very, very, very close. And I was on the phone with them telling them about my new business plan that I'm hatching that I cannot discuss yet. And it's just this beautiful moment where I have all these different little pots that I've been working on and all these different networks of people and all these different skill sets. And then one day the light bulb goes off and you realize even though on paper, it looks so different, everything connects. And I think the thing I love the most about the sport and she, not, I think I know the thing I love the most about the sport industry is the people I mean, Dan, you and I have known each other from a networking perspective for 10 years, and our paths have crossed in multiple different ways. Um, And I think what's so great about this industry is if you're good to people, and if you have a general interest and passion in making this industry better, there's going to be an opportunity for you. And so often we talk about how difficult things are. But if you truly not just have the hunger, because it's one thing to have the hunger, but if you have an idea or a solution to improve this industry, and if you're nice to people, and if you're just a good person who helps people, there's so much opportunity here. So I I think the big thing I've learned is, one, if you treat people well, it's going to work out for you. And two you just have to get started. You know, to your point, when I was a little girl, I never dreamt of being a professor, but I'm so glad I am a professor because it's created so much opportunity for me. You make the right decision for your career with the information you have at the time. And you give all of yourself into that experience and that moment. And you fulfill that. And maybe that's it. And maybe that's where you're supposed to stay the rest of your time in your professional life. But maybe there's something else, some other door that's opening. So I would say be open to opportunities, treat people well, and find solutions, and you'll have great success in this industry. That's great advice for everybody that's listening. And then you, you had to drop the 10 years. You're making us sound old here. Just you know, We are. And the people in this industry are, are what make it. And and appreciate you know sharing that and and I'm going to ask you the last question we ask everybody that I interview each week is what's keeping you up at night right now yeah so I sleep pretty well at night that's a that's a gift I definitely have I think the thing that's keeping me up since I am a professor is I worry about this economy that we're in coming out of COVID for the students I'm teaching as it relates to the sport industry Um, We're coming up, we're recording this in early February, we're coming up on a year from the sport shutdowns because of COVID-19. We still have people in the industry who are furloughed and laid off. And I don't know what the industry is going to look like when we quote, come out of COVID-19, if we truly come out of COVID-19 into the environment that we were living in pre-COVID. 
And so the thing that keeps me up at night is I'm teaching a hundred people a year that want to enter this job market. And how, how can I ensure that there's meaningful employment for them? And so I think that puts a great responsibility on educators and young people. And this is essentially what I've done with my career. So if this was true 10 years ago when I was coming out in the Great Recession, it is even more so true in 2021 when we're coming out of COVID and it is this. You can't expect to graduate and have a job meet you at graduation. And what I mean by that is the economy that our mothers and fathers worked in where my father retired in 2020 after working for the Coors Brewing Company for over 40 years, those days in large part are done. And so today's employee really can no longer afford to merely be an employee. They have to think like an entrepreneur and they need to know how to turn their knowledge, their talent, their skill into a commodity. And so that's, that's the idea that I'm working on that hopefully when I get it hatched out, I can come back and tell everyone about. But I kind of see the white space here that there's a wide open gap between what the academy is doing to prepare students for jobs and what is actually needed. And that's what keeps me up at night. Well, we look forward to having you back to tell us what's next on that. It's great advice. And Really appreciate having you. Thank you for taking your time out of your 27 jobs that you've got going on to, to share, share your story uh, with everybody. And we, and we look forward to catching up more soon. Awesome. Thank you. So there you have it. Alicia Jessup giving us a little insight into what she does here, how many different roles she's played in her path. We look forward to seeing what else is coming in the future from her and glad she spent some time with us this week. So for another week, I'm your host, Dan Gale, signing off. Have a great one, my friend.